everyone. This is Jeff, and this is People Conversations. And tonight I'm with a uh, a friend. Uh, his name is Vicky Warfel, and I worked with him very closely for a couple of months on uh, Philly.FYI, which organized a lot of the protests and marches around the convention, the Democratic National Convention. And today we're talking. We want to talk about something uh, really special that happened that Vicky was organizing. Uh, the supporters uh, at FDR Park and managing that situation, and I was a delegate on the inside. And uh, we were really struggling to communicate between the delegates and the supporters because they wanted to support the delegates and the delegates wanted to feel supported. Um, and something really special happened on Wednesday night. Um, so, but before we get into that, Vicki, uh, why don't you introduce yourself real fast and um, give us a little background and then... Uh, Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Dickie Warfel, and um, I'm a native of Newark, New Jersey, and a refugee to the state of Maine at age 24. Uh, I had a career as a professional firefighter and uh, have been retired uh, for about six years. Um, I started my career career as a political activist at the age of 13 by going to Washington, D.C. to lobby the New Jersey congressional delegation to vote for the Civil Rights Act, and haven't stopped since, and uh, that's, uh, in, in a way, how I came to, to Philadelphia um, shortly after the Maine Democratic Convention, uh, because uh, the day after that, I realized that... Uh, I might have some value down there so that it didn't look like, uh, so that Philadelphia 2016 DNCC did not look end up looking like Chicago 1968 DNCC. Over. Great. Uh, and uh, how, how did you end up with uh, Philly.fyi? Okay. Um, that next day after the Maine Democratic Convention, I called my daughter and asked her to help me get on to Facebook. I had already had a page there, but I didn't really know how to do things, so she guided me to uh, a section, uh, let's call it a section of Facebook, uh, and it was hashtag March for Bernie, and I saw a fellow named Billy Taylor posting uh, and she taught me how to go backwards to look at his older posts, which I did. Uh, and at that time, I realized that Billy was me uh, 35 years ago. And uh, I saw what he was doing and what uh, part he appeared to be playing as an activist, and I knew immediately that I had to go to Philadelphia and meet him. And to make a long story short, that occurred. And uh, I arrived uh, in in New Jersey, uh, I think somewhere around a couple of days after Memorial Day 2016, and uh, called Billy and said, give me something to do. And we ended up in Pemberton, New Jersey, to transport seven black men for Bernie vans from their location in Pemberton to another location, uh, 904 North North Broad Street, uh, the office uh, behind the barbershop. 
which is was the office of the Black Men for Bernie, which we were going to be using for our Philadelphia location. Uh, shortly afterwards, uh, when I arrived at that location, I met Mark Georgia and Rachel Delgado Simmons and Jeff Epstein and Billy Taylor and Gary Frazier and basically began the process of uh, that I had been so familiar with as a union activist for 47 years which is organization. And that's how it got started. Over. Um, so, so then, so, so we worked together for quite a while, and think it was quite a ride for quite a while there. And we created um, you know, these events. We didn't create them, but we, we helped organize a lot of these events. We got the permits for a lot of these events. And um, so the DNC starts, and we end up getting, you end up getting a, a stage, a full stage, where the, the protesters in FDR Park are going to congregate around. This is inside the park. Um, the streets of Patterson and Broad are where people are marching, but the destination where people settled for the whole week was at FDR Park. So can you describe um, over the first couple of days, Monday and Tuesday, of uh, what was your perspective of the communication between the supporters uh, and the delegates they wanted to try and communicate with? Did you have any? Uh, did you witness any of that? You know that frustration of the supporters wanting, you know, wanting to let the delegates know that they cared and that they were there for them, and that the, you know the delegates were hearing it or not hearing it. I didn't. I should say I didn't become really aware of it until late Monday night. Um, when Eric Beachwood and I were talking for a little bit. What what was your perspective of that? Well, my experience was that uh, I was in touch with a number of members of the Maine delegation because I am a member of the Maine Democratic Committee. Uh, So I play a role with those folks. And uh, from day one, there was an expectation that, uh, that they that there would be some difficulty inside the center, and nobody really knew what that was going to look like. Uh, But on Monday, I forget what time uh, that night, even uh, I think it was around 9 o'clock that night, I got a call from a delegate inside that basically knew that uh, that we had... uh, I'm going to stop a minute and let you know that Billy Taylor, the founder who I considered to be the founder of Philly.FYI, had had the wherewithal uh, five months before the convention. He obtained from the city of Philadelphia and the National Park Service nearly every permit for every permittable area in the city. So in a way he kind of owned the city for the day before and the week of the convention. And so his presence as the cornerstone of Philly.FYI is what gave us the park, um, the largest zone of the park all week. And our production um, was there. Uh, I, it, one of the reasons why it was there was potentially 
to give a, a voice to the delegates uh, if they were potentially going to walk out because we at the main delegation already uh, had 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 this uh, conversation about this possibility. So I let quite a few people know inside and spread the word to the delegates that if anybody does walk out, that they can come right to our stage and we'll, we'll preempt any previous programming and, and put them on stage at any point in time. So I was aware there was frustration. I think it was Wednesday, uh, or I really don't have my, uh, I don't have my perspective very well because I was very, very busy as the essentially the producer and the executive producer role at the stage. So uh, uh, I must admit to having to pay attention to that really took a lot of my attention away from what was really going on uh, outside of that sphere. Um, but I was aware um, that uh, from reports that were coming back to the stage that very likely uh, the, a delegation was going to be coming to the stage, and eventually it did, and we had a space for them anytime they needed it. And uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it was the it was the most important moment of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Uh, of the production over. You're talking about when the delegates went on stage and just directly spoke to the supporters, right? Yes, that's exactly the moment of which I speak. Okay, before we get in depth on that, do you re recall what happened on Tuesday night with the walkout itself? Um, because Tuesday uh, night is when the roll call happened, and the, as soon as Bernie Sanders conceded at the end of that, and Hillary was declared the nominee officially, that uh, 500 to 1,000 delegates walked out. Um, and I don't know where they walked. I walked to FDR Park, but by the time I walked there, there was no one in the park itself, aside from the people camping. Um, so what, can you tell us what happened on Tuesday um, from the actual walkout itself? Did people come over? Well, um, what occurred is that uh, we, we had programming on the stage, um, but many of the people who were, let's, okay, using the phrase camped out around the stage, that would be actually had a tent or, or that that's where they were spending most of their time, were going back and forth from the location of the park to where the front gate was uh, into the Wells Fargo Center, freely moving back and forth whenever there were demonstrations outside. So uh, I was aware on Tuesday night of the walkout, and uh, I still had to manage the programming on the stage, so I couldn't go up up there myself. Uh, but I, the reports that were coming back to me that I I had the opportunity to determine uh, accuracy about were, um, you know, that that people were not being allowed into the park, and that turned out to be incorrect that the delegates were being kept from from leaving the the, uh, the the area of the convention center without the risk of losing their uh, accreditation to go back um, and there was quite a bit of uh, conversation that was coming back and forth uh, regarding re regarding that okay that walkout uh, but to, to, to me, it was all hearsay, 
and uh, I guess by the time you arrived, Jeff, we had closed up for the night because uh, it must have been after midnight. Uh, as I understand it, I got I I didn't go straight to the park. I went and was walking around with the people uh, in on uh, Broad Street, and I don't think I made it to around the corner of Patterson and Broad to the actual park itself until probably close to around ten. And I think I think curfew was ten o'clock. Well, actually, we stay we played um, until. Uh, we played until midnight on Tuesday night, um, and and that decision was reached uh, between myself and the chief of police, um, Joe Sullivan, uh, because there was a decision that by trying to keep the stage open that we might be able to avoid some sort of a, a dark shadowed action uh, up at the center. So we 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 were open till midnight on Tuesday night. I wish I knew. I would have I would have made more of an effort to go in. But that's that's a good idea to to keep people occupied. Yeah, we also did that on Wednesday night. We made that decision, even though the original curfew was ten. Uh, we made that decision to for that to occur on Wednesday night also. And and then you may know that we were scheduled to have a full day on Thursday. Uh, but there was a, a very credible threat of a, a lot of rain and thunder and lightning uh, for Thursday, which would have disallowed us to be able to get our uh, equipment out of the park on Friday morning without tearing up the turf of the, of the uh, park okay. uh, if, if the ground were to get wet. So we actually canceled all day Thursday, but we were... Uh, we we kept the stage uh, alive until midnight, both Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Over. Okay. So so do you have any? Uh, was there any experiences with the delegates on Tuesday then? I'm, it seems like no. No. Um, there were. Uh, I'll just let you know that that what occurred all week from Sunday through Wednesday night. Uh, I had the expectation uh, somewhat uh, using the phrase, uh, the catchphrase of the film, Field of Dreams, if if we build it, they will come. And so we had five full days of programming, uh, people, people scheduled to go on stage, but every one of them had been told uh, to have the expectation that they could come there, get ready to be on stage, and be preempted. If, And I don't like to use this phrase, but it became the catchphrase of the day, if bigger dogs came to the stage. And sure enough, uh, not, you know, people showed up from the Venus Project. You know, uh, high-end oh. officials of the Venus Project showed up. Just, you know, I would be back backstage and see people I didn't see and greet them and say, so what's your name and what are you doing here? Well, uh, my name is Julio and this is Nico and this is Dewey and we're, uh, we're from the Venus Project. And I said, well, are you ready to go on stage now or later? <laughs> So um, entertainers would show up that were, you know, m- more 
more famous on a national scale uh, than than some of the folks that we had uh, scheduled to uh, play music. Right. Uh, political figures. And I did have an expectation because I had told more than one delegation of delegates, uh, different states' delegations, that they were welcome and to please pass the word that if, if delegates walked out, we wanted everybody to know that they were welcome at our stage. Over. Right. Okay. All right. So, so that was Tuesday. And then on Wednesday around, I would say, late lunchtime. No, it's probably around 4 or 5 o'clock. Um, I had just finished a meal with a bunch of people, and we were working our way to the DNC when I, when I believe what happened is that you called me and invited, invited us to the park. That's my recollection. And I happen to be that's, with... Go ahead. That's my recollection also. Okay. So, so first of all, uh, so, so we have this struggle of, of communicating between the delegates and their supporters. And on Tuesday, we tried to do this double live stream, which we had set up for and we were ready to go with so that the supporters could live stream to the delegates in the convention and the conventions could simultaneously live stream to the supporters and it would be put on broadcast on, on to the to the Jumbotrons, which was already tested, like we were ready to go. But it was scheduled to be exactly when the walkout happened, so it never happened, um, which in a way was disappointing, but what turned out to happen on Wednesday is that you invited us to the stage and we were going to go back to the DNC because we had just walked out the night before and but but you know that didn't mean a permanent thing although I was worried that that we would have our delegates our uh, credentials revoked um, but we once we heard your invitation to come to the the park uh, I was with four other delegates and we all decided why not so we we came to the park we figured we would answer some questions and then go back to the DNC and then I don't know how it became this, but by the time we got there, by the time we were on stage, or at least while we were in the thick of it, there ended up being around 15 delegates on stage. And uh, it, was, it was definitely the most, I think it was sort of the center of the week as far as burning delegates and supporters are concerned. Like it was the most, it was the most important moment of the week for delegates and supporters because it was the first time that we could directly communicate and as a delegate could directly address these growing rumors and the hearsay that you were mentioning a little bit ago. Um, and uh, it, it, it was really special. And I, I live-streamed it from my point of view, um, the whole thing. Um, but I think there are some other live-streams out there that are even better because um, I felt the pressure. I, I sort of made myself the MC to try and, you know, manage things. I wanted to get to the supporters' questions more than just the delegates talking to them. But that was a very stressful thing to do, especially with a Native American gentleman who uh, ended up talking for 20 minutes when, in my mind, he was supposed to only talk for 10 to 2 minutes. Um, but it ended up being what the crowd wanted. So, but my live streaming it was really of the stress of trying to manage and balance that out of trying to stop him, but then realizing that the crowd didn't want me to stop him. So, unfortunately, I didn't really capture his talking, 
um, but I know some other people did. Um, but yeah, it was it was really uh, a very special event. Uh, not just not just us actually being on stage, but us going into the crowd afterwards and just talking for hours. Um, my live stream was almost three hours long of that event. And we ended up, none, none of the delegates that I knew actually ended up coming to the DNC that entire day. So uh, I'm really grateful, actually, that you came up with that idea and that you invited me because I feel like it started a very big thing. Um, and then it, it meant a lot to, to both sides because we, for the first time, like really heard that we were being listened to. Or no, being supported. And that they, for the first time, really felt like they were being heard. Um, and Michelle and I, uh, who was on who was on stage with me? Um, we had a moment on Tuesday morning where we actually saw when we got off our bus in the morning. Eric had texted me the night before. Eric Beachwood is running in New Jersey as a, an independent Bernie crash for in the general this year. Uh, he texted me and said, "Look across the street when you get off your bus." And once we got off our bus, we could barely see it. It was really hard to see, but we saw maybe 20, 30 people on the other side of the fence from across the street because there's multiple levels of security, like four levels of physical security. And we saw people cheering. We heard them cheering. You can hear it on my video. You can't really see it. But then, you know, we were like, thank you. This is really special. And it was. It was really special to see them for the first time. But then when we said bye, we realized that there was a whole bunch of people down the corner at, Pat- at Patterson and Broad. Uh, and it was just so... That was my favorite moment of the week because that was the first time that we saw each other and that we, like, acknowledged each other. It was, like, a real release. And it all came to a head on Wednesday night. So um, what was your experience actually during that Wednesday night or, or how how it came to be? Or Okay. I guess I, I do uh, – I move to take this opportunity to let you know, whether you know it or not, um, is that on Tuesday we did receive a live stream, and I thought it was yours uh, for probably the better part of, oh, I'm going to say an hour, but maybe even longer than that. Uh, and it did include uh, Bernie Sanders' speech, uh, essentially uh, turning the nomination over to Hillary Clinton. Okay. Um, and uh, after that was over, the the atmosphere at the at and around the stage was so deflated that I think we just we just turned the live stream off, even even though we could have stayed with it. Uh, we chose uh, or the production. Uh, the director chose to um, put some political speak on right after that. Okay. So then your question directly is about Wednesday night. Um, I can't say what time it was, but but uh, Billy uh, had decided that uh, they were going to take the coffin up to the stage. Uh, with with the the deregistrations inside of it, okay. and so they headed up, and uh, I just I had had quite a few conversations with the police chief about you know the, his expectation of us, 
uh, and his expectation of us was that if, if we were talking about peace, peaceful protesting, that that we were gonna we were gonna hold up our our end. So when Billy got fired up and and, the, and that gang headed up to the to the uh, center, I I basically told the director and and uh, the stage manager that I was gonna need to leave for a while. Uh, I had called Joe on the telephone, and he and I spoke, and he says, I, I want, I, you know, if, if you can get up here, get up here. And so uh, I arrived a little while after the coffin went over the top of the, of the, the last, uh, I, I call it the last layer of security, the outside, outside fence. And... Uh, I right after the coffin went in, I I arrived and there were a lot of people dressed in black and with black uh, face coverings on and head coverings. So this, this is this is after this is after the delegates left the stage. This is after this is an hour at least after the, this yes. event in the. Yeah. Yes, this is this is Wednesday night. Late um, after the delegates and the supporters were long over at this point. I'm going to guess ten o'clock. So I want to I want to be clear. Um, when you asked your last question, uh, were you asking me to reflect about uh, have my own reflections of that moment? when you delegates were on the stage or to talk about later that night or both? No, uh, just when we were on the stage. When we were on the stage. Okay. Uh, what, what led up to that and the act actually being on the stage um, and, uh, you know, the, the conversations that we had after. Uh, after, but in the park. But in the park, before okay. the coffin, before the, the gates were breached and the, the black okay. people dressed in black. Okay, then then I'll 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 bring bring my own schedule back to that moment in time. When I learned that you were going to be coming to the stage, I let the stage manager know uh, uh, that um, we were expecting you, and to begin to to let the event manager know that that he should get in touch with anybody that was scheduled, because I had basically ordered the stage to be cleared for you when you got there to no matter who no matter who was there uh when you arrived to to, to have the stage so um as it was with most of the rest of the week uh in my role i was unable to uh pay much attention to the act, to actually what was going on on the stage my job was to make sure that Acts, you know that, that everything was in place all over the production from act to act or from presentation to presentation. So once you guys got up and started going, uh, I was unable to be out front except briefly, and I was unable to pay attention to you from inside the production trailer uh, where I could have, but I just had other responsibilities. Um, so um I was thrilled that that you came and 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 thrilled that things were going. There was a moment in time when I was asked when someone came up to me and indicated that 
the stage had essentially sort of been hijacked by a single individual and uh, asked me to do something about that, and uh, I assessed the situation and came on to the backstage area to witness it for myself uh, and try to do something about it, uh, but I was told shortly afterwards that um, that it appeared, I was told by my stage manager that it appeared that the crowd was wanting to, to hear this character, so um, that you know, I, I was no longer needed to to pay any attention to that situation. So to this day, I have not even seen. Uh, I, I received a hard drive with with uh, five days worth of sh- of camera shots on it, or four days, and I haven't been able to look at it because the hard drive is defective. So I won't begin to look at it for a couple of days. I won't even be able to have my own experience of of that moment in time for a couple of days. Well, I can send you links to my footage and to the uh, scene progressive footage, so you can see at least that event. That's that's perfect. If if you would do that, um, uh, I've got to I've got to throw a lot of things together in the next two days because I get on my airplane uh, Wednesday morning. But please send it because I'm I'm typically uh, back to back to the uh, 21 hour a day schedule. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Um, uh, so the person that you were saying was dominating was was the Native American man, um, and we were, it was supposed to be a, a quick introduction, which in my head was like no more than two minutes, and he ended up speaking for twenty minutes, um, and that was what I was really stressing about because I was trying to balance. You know, the purpose in my head was to get to the get to the supporter questions to be able to answer their questions and not just you know lecture them. Um, but it turned out that the crowd really wanted to hear him. Um, and I was trying to to stop him, but when I would stop him, they would say, no, let him go on, because we've been, you know, genocide against the, his people for hundreds of years. Let him take as long as he likes. Um, so that that was the person that... But by the end of his speech, people were... There were, there were people in the audience that were just crying uncontrollably. It was it was special, but I couldn't see it that way because of my stress of trying to manage the situation. Like I want to see it through somebody else's camera so I could see what it really was. But that's the person. Well, I'm sure I have that footage locked up in a defective hard drive. So you will see it from our perspective. We had three cameras, two stationary, and, and one move around. Yeah, I'm sure that the move around camera got the uh got the audience uh so that that was that. Afterwards, after you were finished I had to continue in my role as as uh basically producer and executive producer, so uh I would have loved to have been able to clone myself to at least take a few minutes with all you folks once you came off the stage, but that uh that did not occur. <laughs> So I do want to I do want to pass on to anybody who's listening to this podcast the immense gratitude that we that we had because as far as I'm concerned that was the apex of the week. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it was, I, I did see you in the audience afterwards when we were talking to people, which was nice. Um, so, well, I mean, thank you for setting it up. Uh, it really was it was really special. Uh, I don't really know of anything like even Thursday that matched it. Like I don't remember any specific communication on Thursday about 
between delegates and supporters, but um, I felt like we really cleaned up a lot of misconceptions. Like people were, there, there was a lot of rumors that were starting to grow um, among the supporters. Like, you know, were they not letting you out? You, you said them somewhere before. Like, were they not letting you out? Were they threatening you to to strip your credentials and not let you back in at the walkout? And really not much of that happened. There was a lot of police, which was very scary um, when we walked out, but, but nothing happened. They were just there. Um, I mean, there was a lot of police. And someone said that there were snipers aiming at the delegates, um, which I think is an exaggeration. I think there were snipers there, but I think they were there all week long. But, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a really intense experience. Um, but... Uh, so, so after Wednesday, what what was it like, you know, finishing up for you? Um, you cleaned up the stage on Thursday or Wednesday night, I guess it was, and then how did how did things wrap up for you? Well, um, I was quite disappointed uh, that Mother Nature had had um, basically cut out our last day because we had programming, and that could have even led to more more time with uh, okay once again using the phrase big dogs on the stage we could have had more delegates we could have had more conversations we might have had more uh, we were we had had the information that we might be getting some some hollywood stars um but where we had to close up uh personally i was absolutely freaking exhausted uh so i was uh, when we when we wrapped up on wednesday night I went back to my uh, apartment, which was down by City Hall, and uh, I got actually got six hours worth of sleep and uh, was back in the park by 7 on Thursday morning to make sure that, uh, that all of the, uh, uh, of the exiting of the equipment and pickups went, went well. And uh, it turned out they had hauled the production trailer out at 2 a.m. on Wednesday because it was headed for Ohio okay. with my computer and my notebook and oh, no. <laughs> in the trailer. So that was on its way to Ohio. And I didn't see it for quite a few days afterwards, so I had to just kind of... Uh, well, now you have it, but it's broken, so it's all good. Well, my computer's fine. My computer's fine, but the the hard drive that was that was copied all of the copy from the production is is uh, has failed. So, uh, luckily, I did get my computer and my notebook because I I had been taking copious notes all week, especially during the meetings with the city. Um, I will say that I I was uh, was a part of uh, I. I I, I guess I was a, a pretty, uh, or or my presence or our presence outside the gate at the center on Wednesday night and then again on Thursday night uh, was principal in effecting uh, a peaceful outcome because the provocateurs were really trying to stir up the crowd and, and make it into a violent situation. And I was uh, in the crowd, uh, in direct contact with Joe Sullivan by the speech-to-text function on my telephone. And both nights, basically, uh, had texted uh, had texted him, "If you don't get these blanking cops out of here, it's going to go bad." 
Um, and 30 seconds or 45 seconds later, I saw the cops backing out. Uh, because it was their, it was their presence, even though they were the Philadelphia police outside the gate. Um, it was their presence, even though they weren't in riot gear. Uh, they had brought their batons out. They had their their nightsticks, after and a few of them breached. were after the gate was breached. Were st- they moved in to sort of uh, protect the outer perimeter, uh, which I believe was very possibly an order that was given by the Secret Service to the Philadelphia police. So I also believe that Joe Sullivan pulled his people out uh, without uh, permission from the Secret Service uh, because he could see in in, in direct communication with me in the middle of the crowd that if he didn't get his people out, there was going to be a riot. And, of course, all of our communications for the previous six weeks before that were uh, safety, 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 safety. And uh, if his people were going to cause, you know, just by their mere presence, the riot, uh, that 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 would have been a breach of safety. So um, those were very interesting moments for me. Uh, I don't think I ever had so many people come up to me in my life and get right in my face and attempt to intimidate me for being a bad guy, accusing me of being the bad guy. And people that said, I'm the reason why the world is in its situation today. And these were people that were in the crowd wearing Bernie T-shirts. We later figured out that the provocateurs had not only come in wearing black with cloaked faces, but they also brought in a whole bunch of hippie-looking people uh, with Bernie T-shirts on and left them in the crowd, and they were attempting to provoke uh didn't realize that until Thursday morning uh, after after the Wednesday night moment in time. And so we were kind of ready for that on Thursday night. Over. Oh, interesting. That's the first I've heard of the Bernie people, provocateurs in Bernie, in Bernie gear. Um, we actually got exclusive footage, uh, genuinely, like genuinely exclusive footage of, of the gate green breached. I'll send you a link of that as well. I'll put a link in that description to of this podcast. That's good because I was behind that, and I sure would love to see that footage. Oh, it's it's extraordinary. In, in fact, the person who filmed it, uh, I was working with his father, and the uh, Sam was among you guys. Was our our uh, correspondent with Citizen Media TV, and his son Sam Jr. filmed the the breach happening, but not just the breach. He filmed the five minutes before it happening with them preparing to do it. Like he, he saw these people in black, realized that it was really off, watched them prepare and watched them rush the gate and the gate opened and it was, he really captured it like pretty extraordinarily. And I don't know of anyone, I've never seen anything that's nearly as, as thorough and close as what we have. So I'll send you a link to that. And he approached Joe Sullivan afterwards and said, uh, I got these guys that did it. And he was taken voluntarily to the uh, police station to give a statement and to show his video. So uh, he actually helped, you know, he helped the cops. I, I, was actually, I was actually aware of that young man, but I didn't know that he was somehow connected with you. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't either until the next morning or that later that night or whatever it was. But it was very exciting. Um, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share that footage with you and with our... Thank you. Yeah. 
So, well, Dickie, um, thank you for setting up such a special thing uh, with the Wednesday night, um, getting us all there to, to finally communicate with one another because it really, it was a release. It was, it was I think it was like a really necessary thing to happen that week. And I think, uh, you know, it represented what everybody wanted the week to be, which was for the supporters and the delegates to be able to directly communicate and the delegates knowing what the supporters wanted as far as what should we, we should be doing inside the convention. And it was also a rare time when we actually got to speak with people that actually cared about what we cared about and wanted to hear our suffering and actually cared about our suffering and understood it. Um, so that was really special. And I'm, I'm grateful that you set it up and, and made the, the production crew, you know, uh, to make us a priority whenever we showed up. So thanks for that. And go ahead. I was just going to say uh, you're you're completely welcome, but I want to thank you uh, also. Um, th- thanks for letting us help you get on stage. It was it was the apex of the week for us. That's great. Over. That's great. Um, so. Thank you, Dickie. And uh, I should say it was it was uh, quite an experience working with you. You're one of the more unique fellows I've met in a long time, and uh, uh, I hope we get to work together sometime again. Um, you're all the way up in Maine, but uh, we've been communicating regularly, and I, I I'm sure that we'll keep doing that. Wonderful. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you for this moment in time and a, a moment to express and and to pass it on, so to speak, because uh, that was not an event that happened in Philadelphia. It was the beginning of a movement. So uh, I'm sure we will be in touch, Jeff. You mean a great deal to me. Uh, in your own words, one of the more unique. <laughs> and so with that, I have a next phone call at 10, which I have to prepare for. So uh, I want to wish you well, as always. Thank you, Dickie, and I will talk to you soon. Love you, brother. Take care.